Amen. So um, what we're going to talk about this morning is Stockholm Syndrome. And uh, maybe some of you have heard about this or you've uh, kind of seen, seen things about it. Uh, if you were around in 1974, you probably remember Patty Hearst. And um, if, you, if you weren't, you probably still even know about it, have heard about it. And Patty Hearst uh, was 19 years old, and her dad had a lot of money. And a, uh, like a, m- a military extremist group uh, called the SLA uh, abducted her, and they kidnapped her. And um, they took her because they wanted to get money, a ransom from her dad to support this group. And very uh, quickly, like two months after she'd been kidnapped, she had been uh, committing crimes with this group. Um, and they were going around and doing different various crimes and um and she helped them uh rob a bank and there was like a six-day standoff at this bank where she was and she was only 19 years old and they had had her in captivity for 19 months so a year and a half and finally the fbi caught up with them and got her and got her out of there and captured her and kind of got her back and um so what they did is is it's 1974 is they they kind of put these this, you know, put her to trial uh, because it's like you committed crimes and it didn't matter that you were in captivity, that you had been kidnapped. You committed these crimes with these people. And so we're going to take you to court, you know, and she got sentenced 35 years in prison um, for committing these crimes. Now, uh, the president at the time, he, she only served about a year and a half in prison and then she got out and got pardoned because what her defense attorney came up with was Stockholm syndrome. And they kind of discovered this. And what it is, is it's the feeling of trust or affection felt in certain cases of kidnapping or hostage-taking by the victim toward a captor. So after this process, she's 19 years old, just a kid. After being with this group, they begin to brainwash her and kind of convince her and turn her where she began to have these feelings of, of trust and affection towards this group that kidnapped her. Uh, not too long ago, a girl was kidnapped at a young age, and she was held in a basement by a guy for eight years They found her, rescued her, took her home, and later on the the man died, I believe, of illness. And they said that she cried when she found out he had died and that she went to a church and lit a candle for him. Well, well, what it was was this Stockholm Syndrome where she began to feel affection and trust for this person that, that had kidnapped her and put her life in danger and taken her from her family. And they say what happens is, is that if you get kidnapped for a long period of time, that as you begin to see like maybe goodness, the, the person who kidnaps you does something nice to you or good for you or even kind of says, oh, well, we care about people or, or this, that they can begin to turn you and you can begin to feel affection. And people who have been uh, hostages or in kidnapping for long periods of time can suffer from Stockholm Syndrome. And so what I want to talk to you this morning is kind of our own sense of Stockholm Syndrome that we've had. Um, as we've been on the earth, we have kind of created or, or we've, we've begun to trust and have affection for the world. We've had trust and affection for our culture. And um, we kind of even maybe moved into a place where we think the devil's not bad, men are just bad. Right? The devil's not the problem. Men are just a problem. I want to read you a verse, 2 Corinthians 4, uh, verse 4. And it says, Satan, who is the God of this world, has blinded the minds of those who do not believe. 
Um, They are unable to see the glorious light of the good news. They don't understand this message about the glory of Christ, who is the exact likeness of God. So I want you to see that first part. It says, Satan, who is the God of this world. Um, I was watching a movie. uh, It's it's an older movie, and uh, there's a girl in it, and she says, uh, I don't believe in the devil. And that guy that she's with says, that's okay, he believes in you. And so it was kind of like this idea that the devil doesn't exist, and he's like, that's okay, you can believe that, but he does believe in you. And, and, and so we look at this verse in 2 Corinthians, which is the New Testament. Uh, Jesus has died on the cross, risen from the dead, and it says that Satan, who, who is the God of this world. So many of us can think, well, I thought Jesus died on the cross and kind of took care of all of that. So I want to explain this to you because it will bring more clarity as we jump into this message. We know in Genesis chapter 1 that God created the heavens and the earth, the fish, the sea, split land, you know, sky, clouds, moon, stars. He did all of that. And when he did that, God had dominion, or he was the God of this world. Then halfway through chapter 1, God said, let's make man in our image. So he creates man in his image, and he says, I want them to rule over the fish, the birds, the land. And he says, later on, I give them dominion and rule over the earth. So God took his dominion, and he gave it to Adam and Eve. We fast forward to chapter 3 of Genesis, and we know the story very well. Eve and Adam are walking through the garden. She stumbles upon the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, and God said, hey, don't eat from there. And uh, the devil, who's the serpent, convinces her to eat from there. And she takes the fruit and says, hey, Adam, you want to buy it? And he said, sure. And so they ate this fruit, and then sin entered the world. And what happened is, what the devil's play was, is I'm going to do this because then I can take dominion of the world. I will rule the world after that. Because what happened is, is God gave it to Adam and Eve. When Adam and Eve chose sin, they gave their dominion of the world to Satan. You fast forward all the way to the New Testament. Jesus is in the desert for 40 days, 40 nights fasting, and the devil shows up to tempt him. And the devil, what does he say? He takes him up on a hill. He shows him all the kingdoms, and he says, I'll give it all to you if you'll just worship me. Now, why would Satan say, why didn't Jesus just say, look, bro, we kind of built all this. It's already ours. But Jesus said, you know, no, I'm not going to worship you. I put no gods before my God. I'm not going to do that because Satan had dominion of the world. When you have that mindset, a lot of the world kind of makes sense. The way things are makes sense. And so what happens is, is we begin to live in this world that is dominated by Satan. So I want to read to you Romans 12, 2. This is a very famous verse. It says, And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable, perfect will of God. Now, if you've been in church, youth ministry, kids' ministry, you've probably heard this verse before. Um, and, and we're, we're going to kind of break it down, and I want to explain to you what this means. It says, Don't be conformed to the world. Um, and so, That's pretty self-explanatory. Don't conform to the ways of the world. What happens in Stockholm Syndrome is you begin to conform to the way your captors think. The people that hold you, your mind begins to turn to the way they think. You begin to think they're thinking correctly. Their ideas are the right ideas, right? And so as we've been on the earth for a very long time, right? Jesus was here 2,000 years ago. Our minds have been conformed to the way the world thinks. But it says don't do that. Be transformed by the renewal 
renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable perfect will of God. So we get to that end and it kind of gets confusing. You think they don't really know how to write because it's like that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and that can kind of be confusing. What it means is I did a lot of study and research on this verse. What they broke it down to is that it says don't conform to the world but renew your mind so that you will know what the will of God is for your life. That is what it means. When they wrote this, when Paul wrote this to the church in Rome, he said, hey, don't conform to the way of the world. You think about Rome and how terrible Rome was, all the terrible sin that they had in Rome. Don't conform to that, but transform your mind by renewing it daily, and then you'll know the will of God for your life. And you'll know what the good and perfect will of God is for your life. And so we jump back to, to Patty Hearst and her being kidnapped and how that they convinced her that the way they thought was right. And how as we've been on the earth, as, as we've grown up, as we see things all around us, our minds begin to conform to the ways of the world. We begin to think that these ways are okay. We begin to think that the devil isn't really that bad. Men are bad, Right? And then you very quickly, easily turn to God is bad. We turn very easily, very fast to God is not looking out for us. If he was, why would this be happening? But when you jump back to Satan is the God of this world, it brings so much clarity. But we move very quickly into that God is bad. God can't be all good. It's not possible. And that's the way we begin to think. I want to show you Proverbs 4.23. And it says, guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. So guard guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. As we begin to, to conform, as we do conform to the ways of the world, we begin to think of the ways of the world. And... This is like the sermon I taught two weeks ago when you think about having false gods. I don't have any false gods. I haven't conformed to the ways of the world. But we very easily take a quick look at our life, and we know that we have. When, when, you know, everything in our life turns into making money, right? You, you think, well, I, I, I don't really do that. But think how important money is to us. How important the number in the account, the, the number, you, you know, of our debt. And, and, and not that, oh, don't take care of your finances, do whatever you want, because that's not what I'm saying. But very easily we become consumed and conformed to the way the world thinks about money. As media bombards us, social media and movies and music, we're bombarded with, you need more money. As Americans, we want what we want and we want it now. Right? We have the drive through mentality. I want it hot and fresh in 10 minutes. And that's actually way too long. How about a minute? Right? We want what we want and we want it now. And our brains, we begin to conform to the way the world thinks. We begin to look at it and we begin to say, that, that's what I want. I got to have the biggest house. I got to have a new house. I got to have a new car. I've got to have this. I got to have that. Whatever it is, whatever it is in your life, I got to wear the right brand of clothing. My kids have to wear the right kind of tennis shoe at school. Right? And, and sometimes, you know, it's very easy for us to turn to work, money, success, those things. And, and, and then there's other things in our lives that begin to conform the way we think. So I want to tell you a story about two soldiers who were at war from America. And they were in a foreign country, and they're uh, fighting a war. And it was a very long war. It had gone on for many, many years. And there were two soldiers that were friends. And one of them said... I think I'm just going to go out and buy a house. So in this foreign country, he goes out and buys a house, gets him a car, 
right? Marries a, a young girl there and starts having kids. And the other soldier says, what are you doing? And he said, this is never going to end. We've been over here for five, ten years already. I might as well just settle into where I'm at and buy a house and get a car and just be here. Because we're never going home. And the other soldier said, no, the war is coming to an end. We're going to win this thing and we're going to get to go home. And in a couple of years, the war comes to an end. The one soldier goes home and the one other stays. And many of us here this morning have that mentality on the earth. We say, this is all there is. Heaven's, you know, some dream the church made up, Right? We're never going there. This is it. All the happiness and goodness that's ever going to happen to you is right here on this dirt ball floating in the sky. Right? This is all there is. And we begin to conform our minds around that. And we don't look to heaven. We don't look out into what is next. We just think about, man, I've got to, you know, right? Give me mine. I got to hole up. I got to get some money in the bank. I got to have a nice car, you know, with new tires, my kids in the right clothes, right? I got to have this and, and I got to have all of this and that because this is all there is. And when we begin to think like that, our mind begins quickly conforming to the ways of the world and we're not renewing our mind. I want to read to you Hebrews 10. 35 through 39, it says, so do not throw away this confident trust in the Lord. Don't throw away your confidence in the Lord. Remember the great reward it brings you. Patient endurance is what you need now so that you will continue to do God's will. Then you will receive what he has promised for in just a little while, the coming one will come and not delay and my righteous ones will live by faith, but I will take no pleasure in anyone who turns away. But we are not like those ones who turn away from God to their own destruction. We are the faithful ones whose souls will be saved. So this verse in Hebrews says, hey, don't throw away your trust in God. Don't lose faith in God. The horrible tragedy the horrible things that happen to us on this earth that try to tear us away from God, don't lose hope. Don't lose faith. That is sometimes the hardest thing we'll ever do. As you experience tragedy, loss, just living here. As we go through life, it's very hard for us to hold on to this faith. But it says, hold on, don't lose faith. And it says, you know, you need patient endurance, that you need faith and that God has a promise for you, and that we're not going to be the ones who turn away from God to their own destruction, but we are the faithful ones. Here at church this morning, you're the faithful ones, right? It's like the second week of summer, and you're here. You're the faithful ones, right? And so it says, don't lose hope, don't lose faith. Don't conform, but be transformed. Now, if we back up to that verse Romans 12, 2, we can think like, how do, how do I renew my mind? I think it's funny that Paul's writing this and he says, you know, hey, don't conform to the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may know the will of God. Okay, great. That's awesome. How do I do that? What, 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 what do you even mean renew your mind? I th- you know, we've heard re- renew your mind by the word of God, and that is true, but it's like he didn't write that. And so we have to discover this way of how do we not conform but be transformed? How do I not be the soldier that just, just piles up here because I think that this is all there is? See, what we do is, is we make an eternity out of nothing and nothing out of eternity. We think somehow heaven, right, I, I've done this. You think heaven's not going to be all it's cracked up to be? 
right? Have you ever heard about like a water park or, or a theme park or a national park or like a vacation spot or a concert or even better yet, a movie? And someone like hypes up this movie like so bad. And you're like so stoked to see this movie. And then by the end of it, you're like, really? That's what you built up? That was terrible, right? And we think heaven's going to be like that. We're going to get there and it's going to be like Splash Amarillo. This, this is it. Thought we were going to SeaWorld. We're Splash Amarillo. Really? There's one water slide, you know? I mean, we kind of have this idea. We, we make an eternity out of the earth and nothing out of eternity. And our minds conform to the ways of this world. And we do lose faith. We do lose our confidence. And we don't hang on to it. And what, what ends up happening is like a racehorse, we put on our blinders and we worry about ourselves. We worry about our bank account, our kids, our house, our car, our job. You know, we worry about our own family, right? I mean, we were even taught that. You worry about your own. You pick yourself up by your own bootstraps and get to work, right? I've got great worth ethic. I'll be fine. I've got an education. I'll be fine, right? I got the right last name. I'll be fine. And what we end up doing is we're worrying about ourselves. We conform to the ways of the world. We start chasing money. We sit at church on Sunday, but then when we get back out to the world, we just put back on our blinders and go right back to the way we think. And the devil's so cunning, so smart, so deceptive that he's convinced us that we're living the right way when we're not. He's convinced us, oh no, you're on the right path. And God's saying, pick your head up. Look where you're going. You're not on the right path. You've conformed to the ways of the world and don't do that. But we just put our blinders on, you know. And that verse talks about the will of God, the perfect will of God for my life. You know, I'm, I'm 28 years old and, you know, I'm a youth pastor in Toya, Texas. I've really struggled with, am I supposed to be here? God, is this where you called me? Right? You know, God, you, you sent me to Tulia. And God spoke to me and said, I called you to people. Right? I called you. I didn't call you to the city of Tulia. I called you to the people of Tulia. Do you know that each and every one of you have been called to people? God put you at the job you're at because of the people. Not because you, you can climb the ladder, not because you can make a bunch of money, not because you're going to change the world, but because God said, I want you to change the people. I always tell the kids in Ground Zero, you think that you live in Tulia because my parents live in Tulia, right? That's why I'm in Tulia. I said, no, God put you in Tulia, right? You, you, you think, I tell the kids, you think you sit in math class next to that kid that you don't like because God hates you. No, it's because God loves the kid you're sitting next to and they need what you have. Anytime in Ground Zero, when we start the year out, we'll have a meeting, and I'll say the kid that irritates you the most is the one who needs you the most, right? That person that annoys you the most at work is the person who needs you the most. Jesus said, I'm going to die on the cross, and he said, but I'm going to go so I can send the Holy Spirit, the light of Christ in your heart so you can go and shine it. Right, Jesus died on the cross, said, I bought y'all back from darkness and destruction, but Satan still has dominion of the earth, so go in my name and get it back. Well, you know, milk, really expensive. Gas went over $2. I always think it's funny when people are like, tomatoes are like 38 cents. I'm like, who looks at the price of a tomato? Just buy it when it cents. I don't worry about it, right? And if I went to the store and, and, and said, tomatoes, $100. I'm not buying tomatoes, 
When it says 88 cents, I can afford a tomato. Right? And what do we do? We put our blinders on. We worry about ourselves. We worry about our problems, our issues. And God says, pick your head up. Quit conforming to the way of the world and look to those around you. Well, God, I don't, I don't like that person. I wish they'd get hit by a dump truck. Right? We all have that. Yeah, don't, don't act like I'm a horrible person. You have your list of people. Right, yeah. That you think, man, if, that, if an asteroid hit, I'd want it to land on that house. Right? And we put our blinders on and we conform to the ways of the world and we ignore the will of God. Because if we're renewing our mind to God, he'll reveal his will. And he'll show you that person right there. I need you to reach out to them. That person right there, I need you to pray for them. That person right there, I need you to have the boldness of the Holy Spirit to go and talk to them. I want to read to you Hebrews 13 verse 14. It says, for this world is not our permanent home. We're looking forward to a home yet to come. We can't have the mindset that this is it. Because if this is it, then what's the point? If all the pain and suffering here is it, then what's the point? Just like the two soldiers of war. I've never been in war, never joined the military. But I can't imagine how terrible and horrible war is. And they can't get the mentality that this is it. That's why when they come home, they can't function. They can't, you know, they struggle coming home because of that. And the same thing happens to us. And that verse above that I read out of Hebrews said, don't throw away your confidence in the Lord. Hang on to faith. You need patience and endurance. This is not it. You know, Megan and I, we tried to get pregnant for a really long time. And uh, she had a miscarriage. She was five weeks pregnant, had a miscarriage. And, and it really, really shook me, really shook my faith. I thought, man, forget this, forget church, forget God. Well, you know, I prayed, I cried, I, you know, I did everything. And as I was praying, God said, you're, you're thinking about this wrong. He said, you think this is it. You know, you think somehow, you know, maybe that baby is, is in heaven. But when I get there, it's not going to be the same as here. Here would be better. And God said, you don't think I'm big enough to handle that? I can throw the stars, but I can't handle heaven? He said, I sent you there for people. And as the devil rules this world, he does everything to tear us down. If he can get you distracted, he has you right where he wants you. If I can get you mad at God, what did he do to Adam and Eve? He said, you can't trust God. He's lying to you. We've all heard that our entire lives. You think he'd come up with new material, but for, it, it's worked for centuries. And all throughout the New Testament, you know what Paul says? Don't lose hope. Don't lose faith. Hang in there. We're running, you know, we're running a marathon, not a sprint. All, every book he ever wrote, he starts with that. Because he heard the same thing. And he, he wrote how this isn't our home. This isn't it. This isn't everything. In Philippians 3.14, listen to this. I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God through Christ Jesus is calling us. And then we jump down to verse 20. It says, but we are citizens of heaven where the Lord Jesus Christ lives. And we are eagerly waiting for him to return as our savior. Verse 21, he will take our weak mortal bodies and change them into glorious bodies like his own using the same power with which he will bring everything under his control. 
We jump back to, to Satan being the ruler of this world. It says with the same power that he gives us new bodies, he'll bring everything under his control. We can't conform. We have to be transformed. This is not it. Jesus is coming back. Now, I'm going to live my life. I am going to buy a house. I'm going to drive cars, right? I'm going to have kids. I'm going to do all that. I'm going to enjoy myself. I'm going to eat out. I'm going to go to the lake. I'm going to live my life, but I'm going to be heavenly minded. Have you ever heard the saying that don't be so heavenly minded, you're no earthly good? Right, maybe you've heard that, maybe you haven't. If you haven't, uh, I, I, I thought, I've heard it before and I thought it was a verse and I found out very quickly that Google said, no fool, that is not a verse. And I was like, Google, don't talk to me like that, you know, work with me here. And so I found out it's not a verse and actually I found out it's actually biblically incorrect because Colossians 3 verse 2 says, think about the things of heaven, not the things of earth. Think about the things of heaven, not the things of earth. That's very simple. For you died to this life, And your real life is hidden with Christ in God. And when Christ, who is your life, is revealed to the whole world, you will share in his glory. So it says, think of the things of heaven, not of earth, because you've died to this life with Christ. And your life is hidden in him. And when he comes back and is revealed to the world, you'll, you'll share in his glory. We can't conform. We have to be transformed. And you're on the right path by being in church. You're on the right path by being in worship, you know, by by receiving communion. You're on the right path when you read your Bible at home, when you read the verse of the day, when you listen to some worship music throughout your day, when you pray and talk to God. What you're doing is renewing your mind. And as you do that, God is going to begin to reveal his will for your life. And what that's going to look like is his will is people. Right, God, where should I work? Work where there's people. Right? That's God's business is people. God wants you to have a good life. God wants you to be okay, you know? But we know that the world is broken and fallen and messed up. And God said, I am coming back. I need you to go out in my name and spread the good news. I need you to go out and reach those people that we're too afraid to reach. Go out and talk to those people that you're afraid of. Right? When we get in the line at the grocery store and we're mad at the lady checking out because she's not checking out like Speedy Gonzalez, like pick it up, what's wrong? You know, drink some spark, get going, get some five-hour energy in you, do whatever you need to because I got places to be. I'm too busy for this. I'm too busy to stop and talk to that person. Right? When you walk into a store and someone sees you and you're like, did they see us? Are they following us? Walk faster, right? Because I don't have time for people. I don't have time to talk to this person. I'm busy. I got things to do. Preachers are terrible about it. And I'm not saying, you know, Pastor Rusty, but because he talks to everybody. He's like the exception to the rule. I mean, you go into Dairy Queen and he's like behind the counter talking to the cooks, but... He's like a he's like a different breed of preacher. But other pastors, you can go, you can go places and man, everybody looks down. And you go to church conferences. We went to one a couple of weeks ago. Everybody's kind of it's like I, I don't know you, right? Because we're busy. I don't have time for this. I don't have time for people. But God has called you to people. Like I said, that person that annoys you the most is who needs you the most. 
I want to encourage you, don't conform to the ways of the world. This week, ask God, how have I conformed? In what ways have I conformed? And God, reveal your will to me. Show me the people that need me. Give me the strength and the courage to reach out to them. If you would, bow your head and close your eyes. Heavenly Father, we come to you right now in the name of Jesus, and I pray that you would begin to reveal to us right now today, this afternoon, and this week of ways that we've conformed to the world, the way our mindset has changed into the world's way, and that we've begun to think the way our culture thinks. And Father, I pray that you would give us the strength and courage to overcome that. I pray as we sit in church as we read your word, as we worship, as we pray, Father God, I pray that you would renew our minds, that you would begin to help us to think the way that you think. I pray that you would begin to show your will to us. You would reveal the people in our lives that need us. And we wouldn't fall into this mindset that everything's okay, everything's fine, this is all there is, that you would help us to be heavenly minded, to be kingdom minded. Father, I pray all of that in the name of Jesus. Amen.